Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball. And as you know, I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Well, this story today will definitely teach, motivate, and inspire you because I am joined by Lefiro Gomez. He is a fictional author. He's been writing since the age of nine. So we're going to talk about that and what's so special about when he started writing at the age of nine. We're also going to be talking about life after a debilitating stroke how the stroke changed his life at 35 years old. So, LaFiro, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Curveball. Okay, and, why don't you go ahead. And b- before we continue, I just want to apologize to your uh, to your listeners. Uh, if I happen to stumble or f- over a few words due to the stroke, uh, I have a few... Uh, uh, speech impediments, but uh, I'll, I'll try to get through it as best as I can. No problem at all. So start off by telling everybody, give a little background about yourself, kind of where you're from and anything else that you might want the audience to know. Um, well, um, I'm from San Antonio, Texas, uh, born and raised here. I actually do live here now. And um, I've been uh Reading since the age of two, writing since the age of uh, around six, and um, was have always been a fiction writer ever since then. Um, I uh, I was an only child. I lived uh, out in a rural ranch where there was basically no neighbors nearby. Uh, our ranch is about thirty acres, so it was, it was kind of difficult to get to any uh, any of the other neighborhood kids. Um, and basically my books were my, uh, my brothers and sisters, you know, I grew up with books. Um, I didn't go out too much. I was more of an indoor person and more of an introvert than anything. Um, so, um, with the passion for reading, I, I naturally had a passion for writing as well and, uh, living out the, the stories in my head. Um, so I apologize, your, your bio said you've been writing since the age of nine, but you say the age of six. Yes, so, six. Uh, nine is when I actually had my uh, first taste of success. Yeah, tell um, us about that. I um, um, started writing the stories and um, I uh, wrote to a story to... Uh, the Alfred Hitchcock Mystery Magazine, uh, but I also wrote a few stories that I submitted to a local television station, and um, they actually were interested in, in uh, some of these stories. Um, so they invited me over to the uh, television station, went up there with my parents, and um, they actually decided to choose one of them and, and film them, film it. Uh, so they actually, you know, gave me a tour of the television station and everything. And, uh, 
actually uh, began this series based off of, of the 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 plot for the story. Um, so it uh, it was naturally uh, exhilarating to have something like that happen, you know, to a nine year old kid. <laughs> And, what uh, series is that? Uh, tell us about that series. Well, it wasn't a, the, the series itself was called Kidvid, but my story was called uh, um, Mithra Fact. And um, the series itself was actually kind of like uh, like America's Fun Funniest Home Videos kind of, or, or Cam Camera kind of stuff, where people would submit their own videos. Um, but it was only kids that would submit, they were allowed to submit their own videos. But mine was the only one that was actually produced by the uh, television station. Well, talk about your books because you you've written a lot of books. So kind of go through each book and just kind of give us, you know, kind of a little synopsis or a breakdown of kind of what listeners can expect if they read your books. Um for the most part, I write mostly uh speculative fiction, which tends to finish would tend to be um, uh, fantasy, uh, sci-fi, or horror. Um, the first two books that I've written so far are, are fantasy-based. The uh, first book is Parachute Island, uh, which is about children who have died and gone to the afterlife. And this afterlife consists of an island um, that grants the children any wish they desire. And uh, this one girl, one of the protagonists that arrives there, is named uh, Megan, and she arrives there with this uh, secret that she has, and um, she has this very special wish, which we learn later. And one of the one of the people who live on that island is David, and he is a sole adult on this island, and basically it's kind of like the caretaker of the, ch of the children, and um, you know, kind of gives them advice and stuff and everything. And uh, it turns out that he's going to become very uh, key to bringing uh, Megan's wish to life. And I'm not going to go into much more detail after that because uh, uh, it uh, there's a very major plot twist to it. But, um, you know, people who've read it have really liked it. And it was very encouraging to know that uh, people did like my writing. Um, my uh, second book, was the valiance and this is a, an idea that i had a long time back since high school and uh it's uh, basically these uh, four college students who are mourning the death of their one of their friends and um they uh he leaves them a box not to be open till a year later and it has some very special very uh, intriguing in information about their past because they grew up as orphans. And so it brings up some, some very intriguing information about their past. And again, there's another another big plot twist to it that I'm not gonna go into too much more, more detail about, but um, uh, it's, uh, it's very heavy fantasy based, very sword and sorcery. So if you like, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, that sort of stuff. Then uh, I'm pretty sure you will like this kind of this kind of book. All right, now let's talk about your debilitating stroke. Kind of tell us about that and what life is like after the stroke and how you are getting along and 
any other details that you want to put out here? Um, yeah, I, um, I uh, went to uh, high school, college, went to Williams College on a full scholarship, but I ended up having to leave because of health issues. Um, I um, had uh, diabetes and high blood pressure at the age of 16. And so because of that, I, you know, a lot of health issues due, due to that. I ended up working uh, for the IRS. And um, through that, I ended up moving to Austin, Texas. Um, I bought a house in Kyle. And uh, I had a friend who moved in with me. And uh, his name was Ben Davis. And this will kind of come in later. But um, yeah, it, it was you know good. I had my own job, my own car, uh, my own house. You know, all bills were paid. And everything was great. Uh, on September 29th, 2014, it was around 11 p.m., I started feeling kind of weird. I was in bed already, and um, I, uh, I I thought I was going to, like, vomit or something. So I, I tried to get out of the bed, and I just crumpled to the floor. Um, and uh, I tried, uh, my phone fell out of reach. And I tried calling out to uh, Ben, who was listening to uh, watching a movie downstairs. And my words uh, came out weird. Uh, you know, I, the, the words that came out were not the words that uh, I, uh, I uh, imagined. Um, you know, I kept wanting to say Ben, and the best thing that came out was friend. And so I, uh, I was wondering, what is going on? You know, what's wrong with me? So I tried to crawl to the to the door, trying to get out, and, and I couldn't move. And all of a sudden, you know, I was face down uh, onto the uh, carpet. And you all, then, you know, if I don't call out to him as best as I can, uh, I'm gonna pass out and I'm gonna suffocate on the on the carpet. So once he started to come up, I focused as best as I could and yelled, Ben. And he heard me and he saw that I was, you know, immediately, immediately he must have known that something was wrong because he called 911. And I remember the, uh, the EMTs coming up, putting me on the uh, stretcher, bringing me downstairs and uh, into the, uh, the ambulance. And uh, the hospital is like five minutes away. Um, so I uh, went into the ER and uh, that was it. I was I passed out by that point. Um, I was out for two weeks, and when I woke up, one of the first things I remember was seeing my parents at the foot of the bed talking to my boss, and I kept trying to talk out to them, but it was like they weren't paying attention. And to me, what what they were saying wasn't making any sense. And at one point, I remember them saying something about. Uh, making a truce between vampires and werewolves. And, uh, and I kept saying, no, dad, don't do that. You know, and all of a sudden I was out again. I was just in and out of it like that the whole time. It, it was weird because it was kind of like an out-of-body experience or it, it, it was just an odd experience. Um, after a while, I uh, came, came to 
and uh, I was taken to this place called Warm Springs, which is a therapy center in San Antonio. And uh, they provided me with uh, physical, occupational, and speech therapy. And uh, the speech therapy was which came the, the soonest. You know, I was in and out of that pretty quickly. And most of that I do mainly due to my dad, um, because uh, when they tried to provide me uh, therapy when I was eating, they would say, okay, take a bite, eat, swallow, okay, open your mouth. And they would do that for every single bite. And that was just so annoying. And so finally, it got to the point where my dad said, okay, uh, let me take care of this. Let me do this. And I'll give him the therapy. And so he would he would feed me. And then he would ask me a question. Well, because we would always play trivia. And so he would say, okay, who's this? You know, who, what songs is this played by? What band? Or, you know, uh, what song is this? And he would wait until I finished eating and I would swallow and I would say, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix or it's uh, Beatles or Led Zeppelin. And um, and so then he knew that, you know, I that I was swallowing all my food and that uh, my speech was getting better. Um, after being there for a little bit, uh, I was getting very close to the point where I was almost able to stand because I'd become a hemiplegic. And there's a difference between being a hemiplegic and a quadriplegic. And a hemiplegic is a person who uh, is uh, paralyzed on only one side of the, the body. And a quadriplegic is, of course, they're, they're completely paralyzed on, on all four limbs. Um, and I'm a hemiplegic because I'm only paralyzed on one side. Uh, my right leg was... Uh, was weak due to atrophy, but my left side was completely paralyzed. And so I was getting to the close to the point where I was able to walk, be able to, be able to stand on, on, on my own. Not quite, but you know, getting, getting a lot better than what I was before. And then uh, the insurance decided to cut me off. And so they sent me off to various uh, nursing homes and therapy centers that uh, didn't quite provide me as much therapy as Warm Springs had. And so uh, eventually they sent me home and I, I started to feel a little depressed because, you know, if I, well, you know, they, they give, they've given up on me. My, my parents here taking care of me, my, my parents brought me home to their house. Uh, but um, the, the insurance gave up on me. And so I got a little depressed because of that. Um, I uh, would get in and out of bed with fairies into a, an electric wheelchair, so I was able to move around the house a bit. Um, but um, I, that, was, that was about the extent of what I could do. Um, I uh, unfortunately, uh, in 2015, I ended up developing an ulcer uh, on my bottom, and it was a fairly large ulcer. It was, you know, it was about the size of a fist. And so it was so, so uh, large and full of septic shock that I ended up passing out. I ended up going to the ER. And again, they told my parents, you know, that I might not make it. Um, it, it just depends on how my body, my body can take it. Um, so this is the second time that I, I uh, 
I uh, was fighting death. Um, they placed me into a uh, large uh, morphine-induced hallucinatory state. And again, I felt like it was in an alternate universe. It, it was really weird because even though I had, um, I didn't know what was going on around me, I had a sense of what it what was. I knew what was nearby in the area. I knew, you know, I was familiar with a, that there was a, a, a local uh, grocery store nearby and a few other area things going on. Um, and uh, even though I was so into it, I, I, or so out of it, I should say, I, 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 I knew what was going on. Eventually, I... Uh, was able to, uh, and feel free to stop me. You have any questions, Kerbal? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm just oh, letting okay. you, yeah, uh, oh. continue. And then when you continue, tell us how you're doing today after you go through everything that you're going through, because th there's probably people out there right now that have had strokes and they need this encouragement. So I'm just letting you tell it. So please continue. After I, uh, I left the hospital, I had to end up going back and forth because I had various uh, infections. And one of the problems that I developed was I developed renal disease. Um, they gave me so many antibiotics that it uh, killed my kidneys, basically. And so I would have to require um, dialysis three times a week. Uh, and that was a very it really takes a toll on your body i can tell you that and, and that i'm still on uh, dialysis but um uh, one of the problems that uh occurred while i was going in and out of the hospital was i uh developed an infection on the heel of my right leg and uh they this one doctor i remember coming in and uh, I remember him looking very sober. And uh, he tells me, um, I have some bad news. And it looks like we're going to have to cut off or amputate your uh, right leg. Um, we can try to leave it. Um, we can try to just amputate the foot. But uh, there's a good chance that we're still going to have to end up doing the amputating the whole leg anyway. And uh, I guess he expected me to be uh, upset about it or something. And I just told him, you know, you know do what you got to do. You know, I mean, if you got to do it, you got to do it. And uh, I remember my parents were more shocked than I was. But um, at that point, I, I kind of figured I have to do what I have to do in order to keep living. I have to be there for my parents because... I'm an only child, uh, and they need me as much as I need them. Um, so they amputated my leg, um, and uh, I went home, and I was extremely depressed by that point. Um, I was uh, sleeping every you know day and night, and I wasn't really doing much of anything other than sleeping, and my my uh, a lot of family members would tell me, well, why don't you get back into writing? You love writing so much. It was your passion. It was your, your dream that you really wanted to go, you know, to become a writer. 
And so I thought, well, I don't know how I can do it because, you know, I'm, I can't type with just one hand and it's really difficult to type on a computer. Uh, but eventually I found a way to be able to type uh, using Microsoft Word on my iPhone. And I was there, um, you know, typing away with one finger and it was a little difficult to, to get adjusted to at first, but I was able to do it. And uh, I was amazed that I was able to f- complete a, uh, a whole novel, a young adult novel in a, in a matter of about two, three months. Um, and uh, my mind was, was working away, working away at it. And um, I just, uh, you know, having all this time and being able to really get into the story really, uh, really brightened my mood, um, so to speak. And so I uh, continued to write. I looked into uh, traditional publishing. Um, unfortunately, uh, it was a very difficult, uh, uh, very difficult to get even just an agent to be uh, have an agent to look at my stuff. Um, it's a very difficult, very competitive uh, uh, industry to get into. So I looked into self-publishing, and uh, I. Uh, I look into all the things that I need to do to become a self-publisher. And I knew that I, I needed to get out there, you know, even if it meant, you know, publishing my own stuff and I'm publishing through Amazon. And I, uh, I received a lot of help from my, one of my mentors was uh, Dale Roberts. He, he provided me a lot of insight into how to get into the self-publishing industry. And it's it's been really helpful to be able to, to be able to get my work out there, and for um, to the people to be able to read it. I, I don't care so much as to selling it as much as having people to enjoy my stories. And uh, part, uh, Parachute Island was one that I was particularly interested in getting it out there. Um, uh, I don't know if people would like to hear about the, the background to Parachute Island. Yeah, go ahead and tell us. All right. Uh, Parachute Island came around. I uh, went to a recital of uh, two of my nieces, and um, they, um, they were roughly around 8 and 10, I want to say, um, maybe a little bit younger. Anyway. I went to their the recital, and one of the there are various children singing at the, at the recital, and one of them, one of the children that were singing was a teenage girl who was singing this song called "Lead Me to the Cross." And a little bit later, there was another boy who played, I guess he was about ten years old, and he was playing "Imagine" on the piano, and after, by the end of the recital. And on the way home, I uh, already had the idea for, for Parachute Island in my head about, you know, children in the afterlife. And it was just this beautiful story that uh, I wanted to share with people. Um, and so it, it just came about so quickly. Um, 
after I had my stroke and after I started to begin, begin once I started to write, um, I was able to uh, change some of the story uh, so that where before there was a, you know, um, a man who, this man named David, um, who uh, uh, comes from, you know, back from the dead and and uh, changes it to be a little bit more along my my, uh, my situation, and so it, um, it it kind of went from there. So let's just let the listeners know we all take for granted that we're able to walk and that we're able to do all this. Your story definitely shows that you can take nothing for granted and at the same time if you are dealt a bad deck of cards in life you can still achieve and and still do great things so tell us what is your life like today how how are you progressing along with everything and tell us about any projects that you're working on that you might have coming up in the future um Yes, as everything's been doing actually a lot better. My health is a lot better. My eating habits are better. Um, I used to be really bad with, uh, with with eating carbs and sugar and stuff like that. And that's part of what probably contributed to the stroke. Um, but um, I'm definitely watching my, my diet. Um, it's opened my eyes and as well as the eyes of my parents as to, wow, you know, this is, uh, like you said, we take so much for granted. And then when something as simple as just moving your hand is taken as for granted, um, we, we realize how much we, uh, we were granted in this life. Um, so, um, I, I cherish every moment, every every moment that I have with my parents, um, and I uh, I you know love every every day that I have uh, because I know it's a it's a it's a good moment to have with my parents, with my friends, with family. Um, you know, I can enjoy every moment of it. And as far as what I'm working on now, I'm working on a uh, third novel it's called The Quiet, which is a um, sci-fi horror novel. And I'm hoping to have that out in the fall of uh, this year. Do you have any podcasts or anything? I also let the listeners know where they can publish your books and give out any website information or social media information. Uh, yes. I'm uh, on Facebook. It's on uh, imaginary, imaginationfactorycreations.com. Uh, uh, my, uh, I'm on Twitter, Lafito A. Gomez Third. Uh, I'm on Instagram, RetroGamer333, and my um, my website is Imagination uh, Factory Creations. Dot com and um that's uh that's about it all right do you have any final advice or final words of encouragement for the listeners before we go 
Um, enjoy every life, every moment of, of your life, every day of your life, um, because you never know when it's taken from you. Um, definitely um, take care, good care of your health. Um, you know, go to your doctor, uh, get checked out, make sure everything is positive or fine. Every time you feel something odd, you know, get it checked out. You know, I'm not encouraging you to, to be a hypochondriac, but uh, but uh, definitely um, take good care of yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, LaFiro Gomez. LaFiro, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.